On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. Anna Biller had always loved classic cinema ever since she was a child. Growing up with a fashion designer mother and a visual artist father, she was no stranger to the arts. And these things, along with her love of classic cinema, including movies such as Hodan, the pre-code film Babyface, 1945's Leave Her to Heaven, and the Technicolor Wonders of the 1950s would inspire her. She later went and studied art and film at UCLA and Cal Arts. She would go on to direct a few shorts and one feature-length film, Viva, before an idea came to her while she was reading a self-help book. In the book, she read that the reason women can't be fulfilling in relationships is that they bomb their men with so much love that it's almost a form of abuse. She thought that was bullshit. So instead she raised the question, what would happen if men loved women as strongly as women wanted them to? And if men couldn't or wouldn't show that emotion, well, maybe having to experience their own feelings would kill them. And that is how her 2016 film, The Love Witch, was born, taking almost seven and a half years to complete and released just three days after the 2016 election. The film will quickly become a modern cult classic, both adored for its rich aesthetic and celebrated for its homage to classic films. So sit back and don't go pee in any bottles. This is the Garden House Girls Podcast. Hello! I'm Katie. Hi there, I'm Brittany. And welcome, 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 one and all. Um, how are you, Britt? How are you all doing out there in not TV land, in I radio like, land, yeah. in podcast land? What, is, what do we call that? Hey, Podcastville. How are you, Katie? <laughs> I'm good. Um, uh, tired, but good. Lots of stuff going on. And good stuff, but just, like, a lot of stuff. So I didn't get a ton of sleep, which is why... um, So my parents pick up Gizmo on nights that I have rehearsal, so he's not alone all day. And my the his playpen has, like, a, a lock on this little, like, a little, like, waiter door. It's one of those, like, swingy doors. And, um... If you only unlock one side of it, it'll still swing open through the other side. But it looks like it's locked from the front side. So I was really tired on Tuesday. And I put Gizmo in his playpen. And I gave him, like, his treat. And then I looked at the door and it looked like it was locked. So I was like, cool. Went to work. Turned on my alarm. And I checked on him at, like, 930. And he was sleeping in his playpen as he always does. And then I checked again at, like, noon, and he wasn't in his playpen. Oh. And I was like, what the hell? What, did he climb over it? What happened? And I was really, like, nervous because, like, Gizmo has never, like, been home out alone because he used to, like, you know, when he was a puppy, he would get into things. So in his playpen, he has plenty of room to run around and play. So I just leave him in his playpen when I'm not at home. And... So, I was really concerned he had gotten to, like, the trash or, like, eaten something he wasn't supposed to because all my doors to all my rooms were open because 
I didn't need to lock him because he wasn't out. Well, uh, he was actually being a very good boy, and he was like, he had simply gone to his favorite chair in the living room and was just watching the the traffic and sleeping. And so, but I, I still didn't know why, how he had gotten out. So I went home on my lunch break, which I wasn't planning on doing and ran over and figured out that it was half unlocked when, and yeah. So, uh, my dad, I was like, I was like, please, you have to lock both sides. That's how he got out. He's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. I'm sorry. I was like, I was like, it's okay. Like, no one did it on purpose, and he's fine. Yeah. It was just funny, because I was like, oh, my God. But now I know that he can get left out, and he's fine. Oh. Like, he scared me, because I was like, what the hell did he do? Oh. What did he do? By the way, if you hear chewing, what's Gizmo? Sorry. Sweet baby um, Gizmo. That was probably the most adventurous thing this week. Yeah. What what did you do this week? Um, I didn't do... Nothing too crazy. Um, I took my mom to brunch and my mother-in-law, so that was fun. And I felt like I did other things, and now I'm, like, struggling to remember what I did. I'm like, I must have spent some time out in the sun because, like, I don't know if you guys did this, but during the summertime, it's like, oh, let me get in the sun. And then, like, I feel like sun exposure also caused me to have, like, memory loss because I'm like, I did something outside, and now I can't remember what I did outside. <laughs> did you did you murder anyone or start a no. cult or anything? Thank goodness well, I did fine. not. I did not start a cult. Uh, Taylor pressure washed the driveway, so you know, very adult things. I think I mainly. Um, I think I mainly watched this movie twice and took a bunch of notes. I did watch a few things this week. Um, Ooh, what'd you not, watch? Okay, so I know you know this. So I watched Those You Known, which is the Spring Awakening documentary. They, they, the original cast of Spring Awakening yeah. reunited to do a one-night-only event um, for Spring Awakening, obviously. They performed, the original cast performed the show. Me and Taylor were actually there that night in New York that they had the reunion concert. But oh, did, I was gonna say, did you go? But I'm sure the no. tickets were astronomical. They were completely like sold out. Like it, I think mm. they were gone within seconds. So I I didn't get to go, but it was really cool just knowing we were there um, when it happened. And I cried. Spring Awakening was one of my gateway musicals. Um, I loved mm-hmm. it. I'm not the musical connoisseur that Katie is, but I do like musicals, and it's always. But been I haven't one of my watched favorites. the doc yet because I've <sighs> said so much stuff going on this weekend. I need to sit down and watch it. Because um, I do love that musical. It's a great musical. Oh, it really so is. Oh, so good. I love rock oh, music. Oh, Leah Michelle has gotten kind of... Uh, yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. But I, I love she's... Jonathan Groff. Oh, oh my God. I love him, too. And it's so funny because, like, I was crying throughout the whole thing. And then Jonathan Groff, almost every time they have the camera on him, he's crying. And my I husband... My husband knows him from Mindhunter, so that's who my husband always thinks of him yeah. as. And he's like, I didn't know the he's... guy from... <laughs> I love it. I, love I it. do, too. And also, it's funny because there's so many people that have done, went on to do really famous yeah. musicals. Like, Jennifer Damiano was in the original cast of Spring Awakening. She was the original daughter in Next to Normal. I actually got to see her perform. She was amazing live. Um, Skylar and... Aston. And then uh, Krista Rodriguez went on to be Wednesday Adams in the Adams Family. Yeah. Um, but it's so weird because, like, you saw all these people and then you're like, oh, hey. But yeah. if you haven't listened to Spring Awakening, like Bert said, it's a really great gateway musical because it's a pop musical. But it's not poppy. It's rock. very depressing. Yeah, but it's rocky. rock pop. More, yeah. I would say it's alternative. Yeah. Like, 
rock because it's not like Rock of Ages, which is oh, a no. garbage musical. Or I always, I always or tell Poppy. Ki- I always tell people our age. I'm like, do you guys remember that song? I am barely breathing, and they're like, yeah, I love that song. I was like, yeah, yeah one Duncan Sheik. Duncan Sheik wrote Duncan the Sheik. music for Spring Awakening. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. It's, it was great. But, yeah, uh, Jonathan Grove cries the whole time for the documentary. I cried the whole time for the documentary. It was great. Um, we also right. started watching Tight. Euphoria. Uh, so we got episodes in. Taylor is obsessed. And the reason I know is because it's he keeps so going, good. do you want to watch another episode of Euphoria? Do you want to watch another episode of Euphoria? <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I like how stylized it is. It's yeah. great. There's a play in the second season. Yeah. And... It's the it's so good. It's so good. I oh do my God. like how stylized it is. It's like so yes. freaking stylized. Like the camera, it's just like there's some fucking awesome shots. Cinematic. Like, yeah, in the Cinematic. very first episode, there's like I don't even. We were talking. We don't know how they did it. Where Rue's like tripping and she like goes fully on the wall and like but the yeah. people in the background don't move and I was like that's wicked. Yep. Um, last yeah, thing it's I watched. Last thing I watched, and I'm, I don't know if you watched this shit, Katie, so I've watched all three episodes of The Staircase on HBO Max, too. I'm, I really want to watch it, but I feel a little bad, because I'm getting a little bit annoyed with Hulu, because they're doing a lot of these, like, true crime and true event documentaries, but they're not clearing it with the people that they're about. Oh, like, and, they uh, didn't clear it with Staircase Pam and Tommy, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe it'll be fine. For some reason, I thought it was on Hulu. Yeah. Oh. But I'm getting, like, overwhelmed with all of these remakes. Because Hulu's doing a ton of them. And Hulu, it seems like they're not really asking people's permission. But mm-hmm. I need to go look at the HBO one. Because it's Tony Collette and mm-hmm. Colin Firth in it. Yes. But I need to watch that one. Um, but, no, I haven't started it yet. But I just, I just figured out it finally came out. So, um, I will be watching it. And, yeah, I didn't really watch anything this weekend because I had so much stuff going on. I I was reading a bunch of plays. Oh, um, nice. Which is good. So, and trying to figure out some stuff. And, um, but I did start something. I haven't finished yet because it's a pretty long documentary. But, um, I don't know if you've watched this yet. It's, I think it's streaming on Shudder now, but it was streaming on a couple different places. It is a... Sorry, I didn't know where Gizmo went. It's a folk horror documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. Mm-mm. And it, it's it's very interesting. Um, but it's a really well-made, I think it's a British documentary because there's a lot of British people in it, but there are Americans in it. And I'm in the middle of it. And, like, because it's, like, a three-hour, maybe four-hour documentary. Yeah. So, um, and it's not in, like, episodes, so, I've been, like, watching it in parts. But they've mentioned the Vavitch, but they haven't gotten to, like, they're they're going through it. So, they mentioned the witch, and um, I've got it. It's a really well-made documentary about folk horror. And it's giving me more ideas of movies to watch for the podcast. So. That's awesome. But, yeah, I haven't really, I need to watch Under the Banner of Heaven. But this movie, like, I, Friday night, I watched this movie and chilled with a with a hard cider. Woodchuck has multiple flavors now, so I love Woodchuck. Yeah, so I do too. I bought a party pack to last me through the summer. Oh, uh, so. nice. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's really all I ended up watching. Uh, I guess is it time? Is it time to talk about the Love Witch? Yeah, we can get in on the Love Witch a little bit, which I think me and you were talking Yay. about. Um, so we know for sure is streaming on Pluto TV. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I fucking hated it. Uh, because I don't know if you had this problem. I had two issues with Pluto TV. One, this two-hour and 30-minute movie came a, like a, became a three-hour and 15-minute movie because of all the commercials. Two, I couldn't yes. get closed captioning to work on Pluto TV. So, I watched on Crackle, because it's also on Crackle. Okay. First. And it was only the two-hour version. Um, but, I, I honestly, I think I had closed captioning on as a setting. I want to. I honestly can't remember. But I didn't have any commercials for Crackle. For okay. Pluto, I had a commercial like every other thing. Pluto and Tubi have commercials in the middle of the movies. Crackle seems to have commercials at the beginning of the movies, but doesn't make you, like, doesn't interrupt the movie. Or at least it didn't on the app on my Roku. But sometimes, I feel like sometimes phone apps behave differently than TV apps. Like, they, they're set up slightly differently. And then you were saying... That, like, your Apple TV found it on the Shutter app, yeah. but then I have Shutter through my Amazon Prime, and it was on that version, but then when I went to watch it on Shutter, it was like, would you like to rent this movie? And I was like, um, no. Yeah. And I checked, I was like, did something happen with my Shutter subscription? Like, did they take it off Amazon, or did, like, something weird happen, and it's just, I like, I need to renew it? And no, it was still showing up, so I don't know. So, I guess if you have the Shutter app, you might be able to listen to it on Shutter the app. Yeah. Which is but. interesting, because, yeah, it did keep taking me over and over again to um, Shutter. Um, so, I thought this was kind of cool. So, it was released uh, in the United States on November 11, 2016, which was my wedding anniversary. Um, so, I was like, cool. oh, that's cool. Um and so, it was written, edited, directed, produced, scored, and costuming was done by Anna Biller, uh, who still shoots on film, and she still uses big studio lighting. And uh, her big thing is that she wants to make films that are about visual pleasure for women. So, she's mm-hmm. more about, like, things... She's like, I don't care what men think. I kind of want women to watch my movies and love them. And this movie is, like, visually stunning. Like, it is one of those movies it's you gorgeous. can't take your eyes off of, for sure. Yes. She tries to, on her website, lifeofastar.com, she says in her director's statement, in my work, I try to combine pure cinema with authentic experience. When I say authentic experience, I mean that I try to directly translate my experience of living in the world into form. My specific concerns are with the lived day-to-day experience of the female. Years ago, when I first started out as a filmmaker, I became interested in trying to create a cinema based on visual pleasure for women. Um, which I just, also then she quotes James Joyce, um, which I was like, cool, you got me. One of my first shows in college was an adaptation of a James Joyce book called Dead City. But yes, uh, yes. So I think her most famous movie is The Love Witch. Yes. But she also did Viva, which, um, played in film festivals all over the world and had minor cult status, according to her bio. Yeah, and she's directed cool. shorts, too. So her first short was when she was in college. It's called Three Samples of Myself as Queen. And if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that was the one. She uh, she she plays a teenager that can transform men into dogs, which just sounds right up my alley. Um, and she also Hi. did Fairy Ballet, A Visit from the Incubus, and The Hypnotist, which is a little bit longer than a short. Um, but, so yes. she did a lot of shorts before doing Viva, and then ultimately The Love Witch, which I think garnered her 
all the attention that she really deserves. So Yes. She's fantastic. I love listening to her. And we actually ended up, we completely forgot that it was Asian American and Pacific Islander Month. And she is Japanese American. So you did it, Brett. We're on brand. (laughs) Not that that has anything to do with this movie at all. I was just like, I was like, ah, shit. But we should celebrate uh, Asian American filmmakers at all times. So we don't have to do it just in May. We can do it whenever we want. And we will. But she's super cool. And I love her style. I, for this movie, she, like Britt said, she, like, by costuming, she handmade all of the costumes in the Renaissance scene. She also handmade this the rug that, in Elaine's house, that she does spells on. And I was just like, damn. She was apparently recovering from an illness the year before this movie started filming, because they only took 88 days to film, but um, she was... She was, I, I don't know what the illness was, but in an interview she was for um, Criterion, she said, you know, I was sick, and so I couldn't do anything but sit in bed and sew. Aww. So I was just sewing all of these costumes by hand because I couldn't find them. And um, it was super, super interesting. And I'm excited about her her newest project, yeah. um, which was something, ironically, we've talked about people remaking movies about Bluebeard's wife. Was it Lynn Ramsey who was also gonna make a Bluebird Bluebeard movie, I think? Was she the other I filmmaker? Think maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um but she's working on she wrote a novel called Bluebeard's Castle and she's hoping to transform it into a film as well. Which I hope she does because I wanna see more movies by her because she's awesome. Um she's fantastic. So yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you saw this, but the the distribution company Oscilloscope Oscilloscope Laboratories um, they also distributed. We need to talk about Kevin Coherence, which is a movie that we might be covering with a special guest soon, and Exit Through the Gift Shop, which was the Banksy documentary, as well as Dear Zachary. So yeah, actually, yeah. They've actually produced a lot of really cool movies. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Because I was like, they have such a cool logo in the beginning of this movie. It's so, like, mm-hmm. retrofit. And I was just like, what is this? Well, who are these people? And I, like, looked it up on Wikipedia. And I was like, ooh. Uh, that's did you, amazing. Did you um, read about the cinematographer, too? I did. So M. David Mullen, um, it kind of, like, specializes in classic cinema. So they shot this on 35-millimeter film. And they made mm-hmm. sure it was a blend of 50s melodrama and, like, 70s horror. And it's just, like, gorgeous. So it is, um... But with 1960s clothes. Yeah, with 1960s clothes. And Stephanie was actually, (laughs) um, our, our longtime listener and friend, Stephanie, she, she saw we were doing this movie. It's like, I've always wanted to watch this movie. Now I'm going to watch it before I listen to the episode versus the other way around. And I know I, I thought it was cool that she did that too. So she was like, she had texted me. And, you know, she said that she asked, you know, what time period? And I said, there's modern cars, so it has to be set in the now. And, and someone has a cell phone. Yes, and I completely forgot about the cell phone, too. But I was like, I, I didn't until the second car. time I watched it. I was like, I was like, who has a cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? 
It's and great. that's what they said. Stephanie's like, what if like it's a town like stuck in the seventies? I'm like, that's a very interesting theory. But it was confirmed that it is set in modern times. So, mm-hmm. but it is like you do feel like you're watching something from decades past because it's just so beautiful. But it's vivid yeah. too. So it's, it reminds me of like Suspiria. It was all the vivid colors. Mm-hmm. Um, he by the way, the M. David Mullen also did the cinematography for Jennifer's Body. Oh, nice. United States of Terror. Big Love, all good-looking shows, and he's currently working on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is also a very colorful, like, beautiful show, which is also very funny if you haven't watched The Wonderful wonderful Mrs. Maisel. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You should definitely watch it. Amazing performers, and it's, uh, shit. Gilmore Girls, lady. Ah! Amy Sherman Palladino. She's great. Um, she's the one that created that show and Gilmore Girls and a bunch of other shows. Love her. Uh, this, her movies were on Criterion and I put them on my watch list and then I hadn't gotten to watch them yet and it's not on Criterion anymore, but on YouTube Criterion has uploaded the interviews that they did with her and with him. And also I feel like it was Fangoria or one of the, one of those YouTube channels also had a video of an interview with her where she was talking about doing all the costumes and stuff. Um... So, I like her. She's awesome. Also, I feel like she didn't didn't have to do this as much, but I feel like she still had the problem like um, Julia DeCarno did, where, like, people would be like, oh, so your movie says this, and she'd be like, absolutely not. But she said it. She didn't have to be as insistent with it, with this interviewer, as Julia has had to. But, like, it was another, like, thing where, like, I was like, is it a female filmmaker thing? Where they just assume things? Or is it just... The concept is too high brow or something. Yeah, and I did see that where she was like, she's not interested in exploitation film making in the 60s and 70s. And she's like, she constantly rejects the comparison to movies such as Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. She's like, yeah, that's not my thing. She's like, I think that's, like, yeah, <laughs> patriarchal oppressions. He was like, you know, I was like, I was getting a Beyond the Valley of the Dolls feel. She's like, no. Yeah. No, I, I was, honestly, if you were going to look at Stacey's movies, Bell, Book, and Candle was more of an inspiration for me. Yeah. And then the one we said in the intro, which was, uh, Leave Her... To Heaven. To Heaven? Yeah. Leave Her to Heaven. Those were the two that she said in that interview, and I was like, girl. I don't know. I feel like it is a female filmmaker thing. Like, people don't... I don't know. Maybe it's because it's men. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be sexist. Which, I like this about this movie is that, you know what, some of the advice that we're not supposed to be okay with, but it, it reminds me of self-help books, but also, like, all those alpha podcasts where, like, men and women are so different, and testosterone, and estrogen, and they're, like, trying to be scientific, but it's it's pseudoscience, and you're just like, you know what, how about just treat people like people, and yeah. when you date them, treat them like a human being and not an object, or, you know a paragon of their sex or gender, you know, yeah. and just treat them like a person. Now, this is off topic on topic because it is about Anna. And um, so fun fact, she is a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And like, she's legit. Congratulations! Like the Academy literally follows her on Instagram, which is cool. And <gasps> I do have to say, uh, since we are recording this episode as of May 11th, uh, 2022, the Academy was founded 95 years ago today. I found that out, too, while doing research. So, or it was founded. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, the Academy. So, 
Um, Make sure you keep choosing independent filmmakers. Yes. So. And women filmmakers and people of color and LGBTQ plus material. Yes. Do it. I, I hope and we foreign see. films and horror movies. Well, we Sorry. had to call the Academy out. We I will have to say this very quick before I know we go into plot. We did have to call the Academy out because on Mother's Day, they featured a post about Toni Collette and Hereditary, even though they didn't nominate her. And she You really ignored her brilliant performance, you assholes. But yet you well, call her out on Mother's Day. What the hell, right. Academy? You know what? That's why that's part of the reason why we have a podcast, though. Yeah. Um, I do think... I, I like, before we get into the plot, I like that Wikipedia, I actually really like its, like, sen- like its opening paragraph of, mm-hmm. like, why, what the, the influences are for the film, and it says, The Love Witch uses the figure of the witch as a metaphor for women in general as both an embodiment of men's fears of women and of women's own innate powers of intuition and as mothers and sorceresses. Ooh. Ooh. And it says, the lead character of the film is a young woman who uses magic to make men love her. Her character is an examination of the femme fatale archetype, which Anna Biller, or Anna Biller, she was like, you know, we don't really have femme fatales anymore. It was like an older movie thing, and that's what she really wanted to bring back. Um, And it's an archetype, so she's not, I don't want to say she's not a real person, but she's not like a realistic person. Archetype is, like, a very stylized character that has a lot of tropes. Like, the hero, the heroine, the damsel in distress, the witch, the villain. There's a lot of different archetypes in film and theater and um, whatnot. And so, she's not supposed to be realistic. um, Although she tells the truth, if that makes sense. And it's very camp of 1960s horror... A lot of, like, it reminds me of, like, Hammer films and, like, a lot of, and she said that, like, the 60s Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Which, like, the ones that were in Technicolor, especially. Like, uh, The Birds and, like, not North by Northwest so much as, like, um, uh, shit, Vertigo. Yeah, and I feel like Psycho, Ooh. especially in the beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, seeing the color, like the colors of it, and then mm. this one. Oh yes, this is not Hitchcock, but it's Hitchcockian feeling. Is charade? I love charade. Charade's such a good movie. So, and and also it's about narcissism, which I think narcissism has come up a lot in recent years. So, yeah, I just find it's it's an interesting movie because it, you know, it's got a lot of different insights into uh, feminism. And love and relationships and how people try to... It's more about how people try to navigate it and the pitfalls of, like, thinking you're an expert in love or in relationships. Like, again, just treat a person like a person and don't, like... And no one's perfect in this movie either, but they're all archetypes. They're all stylized. I love this movie, though. It's very interesting. Yeah. It is very... I like it a lot, too. I'm ready for plot whenever you are. Or yeah, synopsis. And, I'm sorry. We have to do a synopsis first. No, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So, yeah. So, I can give this synopsis. And, again, we are talking about The Love Witch. It is two hours or two hours and 30 minutes, depending on where you're watching it. It's for streaming on Pluto TV, Crackle, and through the Shutter app. And, so, a modern young witch is determined to find love. 
even if it means leaving a love-struck victim or two in her wake. <laughs> when she finally meets the man of her dreams, will it be happily ever after or her own undoing? Watch The Love Witch and find, and find out. out here on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it. Yes. So spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers, guys. Uh, please spoilers. go watch it on one of those three streaming services if you don't want anything ruined because we're about to do a deep dive. But yeah, but I'm ready to start whenever you are. Let us start the plot of the Love Witch. <laughs> yes. I don't know. No one laughs like that in this movie. Yeah. No, <laughs> the love witch. The love witch. It's so, the love witch. Okay. Anyway, my mom watches the love boat every yeah. day, so yeah. I'm like, oh. Um, so we have Elaine, and she is a young witch, and she's moving to get a fresh start on life, and she is played by Samantha Robinson. Yes, Samantha Robinson was uh, Abigail Folger in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, she was also in this movie. It's kind of a confusingly, is it good, is it bad horror movie on Netflix called Cam. It's about a cam girl who has an impersonator. But she was also in that movie as one of the other cam girls, I do believe. And a movie called Jazzberry, which is like, it sounds very similar to like Viva where it's like a sex romp. Um, is it just me, or did her driving into town in her convertible remind you of the opening of Kill Bill Volume 2? Yeah, yeah, it did a little bit. And it's funny, because there's Morricone music used in this, too, mm-hmm. so I kept thinking of Kill Bill during the Morricone music. Yeah. Um, she, this was actually, this opening scene was actually, uh, Samantha's favorite scene in the whole movie, too, because she said she felt like a Hitchcock heroine. Mm-hmm. Like, she was, like, it's very Hitchcockian. Yes. I also wanted to point out that, um... She says she really loved Elaine in that she was a woman in a position of dominance as an executor of violence against men. And <laughs> to prepare for this role, uh, she watched classic films with Anna. She went to a few coven rituals. Uh, she did tarot readings. And she also, I thought this was especially interesting, she studied borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. Um, I will say, I did watch a long... A- Half a year ago, I watched that Hail Satan documentary about Satanism and, like, the fight for... They were trying to get a a statue up to be next to the Ten Commandments statue in the city. Um, And they did go into a couple of actual, like, coven rituals. I will say, the rituals you see, see, they seemed very similar to this, honestly. Like, it wasn't... It's not that scary. It's just kind of like uh, people are just standing naked. There's a lot of nudity in this movie, but it's not like the nudity in this movie. I feel like, is not very shocking? It, it's yeah. like just like naked people like running around in a circle. And then it's not like, it's not like very sexualized. I will say like, it's not like every time Elaine is like naked, like her hair is covering her boobs and yeah. her, um, like she's usually wearing underwear or something. It's like, it's yeah. like burlesque. It's very like teasing, which I think is more reminiscent of an older style. Um, but just so you know, there is lots of nudity in this sh- movie, but it's not, I wouldn't call it sex, like super sexual. Like it's not risque. This isn't like, like, um, shit, Stranger by the Lake. Like, no, there's no unsimulated sex. Anyways. 
Uh, but yeah, so she's driving yeah. away from San Francisco to a new life among the Redwoods. And she's thinking of her and, ex-husband, Jerry. Yeah, and she says in her in her opening monologue that Jerry left her, but in flashbacks it implies that she killed him. Because yes. we see him on the floor dead with like a drink near his hand. Yes. Um, but she's pulled over by an officer who tells her that her taillight is out. But he lets her off with no ticket. And yes. this officer does play a bigger part later in the movie. Yes. Um, and then, by the way, her husband, he's in a lot of flashback sequences, is played by Stephen Wozniak. Not the Mac guy. Different Stephen Wozniak. Um, who's been on NCIS LA, Star Trek Enterprise, and American Dreams. Um, yes. I also like want to point out that on the seat of her car, there are some tarot cards. And there is very specifically... The um, Three of Swords, which signifies the separation of a significant relationship, apparently. So. Yeah. The only tarot I have the- are my Jane Austen tarot playing cards. So I can't remember if there is a Three of Swords in there or not. I just got them for aesthetic purposes. I'm going to be honest. I just thought they were pretty. And since you brought that up, uh, I did want to say Anna was inspired by the thought. T-H-O-T-H tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired the look of this film. So she was heavily inspired by tarot cards for everything in this yeah, film. Yeah, and the Rider Waite um, deck. The colors of the Rider Waite deck, too, which I think is a pretty. I feel like it's the standard deck. Mm-hmm. We have like a the, we have a mutual friend. Deck. Well, they listen. Hey, Peter. Um, his mom does tarot, and he was telling me when I when that the Rider Waite's like the. The norm, like it's like the norm, like the standard version of it. Peter, please text us if we're wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, I like, I love the look of tarot cards. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think everyone has a different understanding of them. Some people just read them to kind of guide their own meditation, and some people really like put power in them. I'm kind of a more like, I just think it's kind of fun. But you know, yeah. You do you. I think they're beautiful. I love the artwork for tarot cards. I love tarot artwork. It's just, I don't know. Even, like, the weird ones. Like, they've got, like, pop culture ones, and I just love it. Like, my Jane Austen ones. I love my Jane Austen tarot deck. It's cute. Anyways, sorry. But, yeah. Yes. Uh, Speaking of colors, that's where we uh, find Elaine meets her new best friend, Trish, at their friend Barbara's giant Victorian manor. Like, yep. she just drives up, but she's like, hi, I'm going to live here. Is it just me, or is, like, a lot of the scenes, like, kind of abrupt? Like, they just kind of start, which is very reminiscent of 60s movies and 70s. Yeah. And, like, she's just, like, she, like, there's no, like, opening. She's just driving. And it's, like, the love witch. And then it's, like, hi. And this lady, Trish, comes out, and she's, like, hi, I decorated the apartment in Barbara's house that you're going to live in. And I based it off the tarot deck because she asked. That's why the colors are so... She says garish, but it's kind of fun. Okay. Fun. Yeah. But um, Trish is played by Laura Waddle, who was an accredited part in Crimson Peak. She does a lot of voice work for a show called The Vault. And she was a character in Batman Arkham Origins, also a voice thing. Um, and they said they kept trying to find an American actress to play Trish, but nobody really could get her right, and that's how they ended up with, uh, Laura Waddle, and, um, she's British in this, but, uh, I, she's, like, she's very different, because, like, um, 
Elaine is like, she has very dark hair. I mean, she's the person on the poster, if you've seen the poster. But she has very dark hair. She has, like, shocking blue eyeshadow or green sometimes. But, like, bright eyeshadow, very 60s. She's got, she's always wearing, like, a mod kind of dress. Um, very, like, and sometimes it, it goes into the 70s, too. Like, it's 60s, 70s. It's kind of swings back and forth fashion-wise through that. Um, but she's very, like, like, Stark, I guess, like her color schemes are very like contrasted because she's pale, but her hair is dark, or she'll wear like dark clothing, or she'll wear like really bright clothing. Trish is like more natural looking, like she's got like pink eyeshadow, but she's got like a lot less eyeliner, and she has like red hair, and everything's like peachy and natural. And it's an interesting contrast to each other. Oh, yeah, no, it's very interesting visually. So, um, but Elaine is like, I'm hungry. You want to go someplace? And Tris is like, there's a tea room. So the next thing a you know, Victorian there's a room tea heart. room. And it's a beautiful tea room. And so they start talking a little bit about Elaine's past. And she talks about her husband leaving her. And she, it's a very famous TikTok quote now, like mm-hmm. audio. Where she's like, the day he left me was the day I, I died. died. But then I was born as a witch. <laughs> and so she mentions <laughs> that Barbara... <laughs> she mentions that Barbara, who they both know, and Gam taught her everything she knew about witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of have a little bit of an argument about men, with Trish saying it sounds like Elaine has been brainwashed by the patriarchy because yeah. Elaine is just like, you gotta give men what they want. They're kind of like children, you know? Just give them what you want. And she's like, how the fuck could you say that? Yeah, so, it's very high Richard. school. It's very high school. Mm-hmm. Very, it's very alpha male podcast. Like women are this, and men are this, and you just gotta do this. Be a high key man, high value man. I don't know whatever they say. Um, also, you mentioned the harpist. There is a harpist. I love the harpist. I forgot to write the actress's name down, but she's actually been in a lot of different stuff. Um, oh, I know oh. she was one of the three showgirls in Twin Peaks season three. Um, oh. that is like recurring throughout all the. Um, all the casino scenes. Um, but uh, I love that, like, when the camera's on the harpist, she's saying actual lyrics. But then when they go back to Trish and um, Elaine, she's like, la-di-da, la-di-da. Like, she stops saying words because the camera's on her. I was like, that's probably what you would do, honestly, because they probably only gave you those lyrics. That's hilarious. Um, but yes, but they have yes. a visitor that joins them. Yes, and it's Richard, who's, um, who is Trisha's husband. Yes. So, he walks through the door, and then him and Elaine have a moment locking eyes. And it's always, like, this little, like, scary noise whenever yes. Elaine locks eyes with someone. So Yes, it's very, yeah. like, it's very intense. And it's just like, uh, okay. Um, interesting, interesting. Um. And... Then we just jump to the next scene. Like, there's nothing happens. It's just, like, they lock eyes. And then we have the next scene, yeah. and Elaine's painting and making candles. And oh. this is the Morricone score. So. Yes. Which, by the way, uh, Richard is played by Robert Seeley, who was also... He was... It's, it sounds like a lot of um, independent stuff, um, but including Exodus, with a question mark, and Perfect Mate. Um... Mm. I didn't notice anything else that I recognized. Oh, wait. He was on Star Trek The Next Generation as an alien in 1992. 
Yes. There we go. Sorry. You're like, Elliot. Yes, no, it's like, Elliot, yes. Star Trek. Um, but yeah, Star Trek. But then she casts a love spell, and her love spell is like, she she mixes some stuff, but then she lays on a pentagram rug, which once again, Anna made herself, mm-hmm. and she's like, love me, love me. And she just says mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. She also but makes she some, like, it. soap, too. Yes, she makes some soap and candles, because that's what a love witch does. Yeah. They make soap and candles, and want people of to course, love them. all the time. Um, all the time. Uh, so she later visits a shop called Moonrise Things, and the shopkeeper is named Wendy, and she agrees to sell some of Elaine's soaps and witch bottles, which mm-hmm. is going to provide some income from Elaine. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And witch bottles. But leaving the shop. witch bottles? Witch bottles. Yes, yes, yes. I said soap and witch bottles. Sorry. Witch sorry. Bottles. And like a voodoo doll? No, it's okay. I think. She just goes, oh, these are nice. These are yeah. nice. That's what she yeah. says. It's very... <laughs> presentational acting so kind of like stylized almost like napoleon dynamite but different like not that style but it's very stylized like napoleon dynamite if you see any of the actors that were napoleon dynamite and anything else they act very differently so it is consciously done um but it's very much like i don't i hate saying it, like they they're supposed to be like not realistic so like it yeah. might seem it's almost like when like when you see the first season of Twin Peaks and there's all this melodrama and everyone's like overacting, it's like because it's a melodrama. I get it. Or like uh like uh that movie Acrimony where it's like a melodrama and it's just over the top. Like great, I love that movie. It's very entertaining, but it's stylized. So you know if you start watching this movie, you're like, why is everyone acting so weird? They're supposed to be acting that weird, anyways. Um, after yeah. she goes to the shop, she, she may, she sees a guy. She does. And he's talking to a pretty young lady. Mm-hmm. But they do the I think. Yeah. And, uh, he approaches her. And they talk about their love of nature. Mm-hmm. And she guesses correctly that the city overwhelms him. Mm-hmm. And so he invites her to his house in the woods. Because, yeah, that's what you do when you're new in town. Mm-hmm. Go to a guy you just missed house in the woods. But whatever. I'm not her. I mean, um, you do you. So, I don't have magic on my side. so um, That's true. And his name is, like, Wayne. He's like, hi, I'm Wayne. And I knew by his outfit that he was a college professor. But he doesn't oh, yeah. need to confirm that. Um, he's played by Jeffrey Vincent Paris, who has did a lot of roles on General Hospital and some other um, soap operas, like recurring roles. He also was on two episodes of 13 Reasons Why, although I didn't recognize the character's name, so I'll have to go back and see if I can see him in that. And apparently he had a recurring role as Asmodeus? Is that how you... On Supernatural? On Supernatural, yeah. I think that's her. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I think that's right. seen those episodes of Supernatural, so I was like, I think that's probably how you say his name. But yeah, he uh, he's one of the more um, recognizable actors in this movie. So, because there's not anyone yes. that has, like, quote-unquote, and I'm not trying to be insulting, like, star power, like, it's not like there's a Nick Cage appearance in this movie. So... No. Which almost benefits the movie, because it's its own thing. I kind of like that, but... Sometimes you need, like, a little bit of a star power to get people to watch a movie, too. So, it can be a a, a good thing or a bad thing, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Depending on the director and the movie. Yes. I agree with that completely. Um, they arrive at his house, though, and he tries to get her make love in the car. And instead, she's like, 
hey, how about you drink this stuff that I made, and then I'll go inside and cook for you. <laughs> Which is yeah. weird. No and red he, flags. No red flags at all. Yeah. Yeah, and he drinks it. In the house, she cooks penis steaks, which thanks for pointing that out, Steph. Steph's like, oh my god, this this steak is shaped like a penis is with it? balls. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you're right, it is. Because it's like very, very long, and then it's like round at the end. Oh. And I never, I, I didn't notice that my first time. Yeah, but thank you, all. Steph. Maybe I'm not <laughs> thinking about penises as much as I should be. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it makes it makes sense with Elaine now that I'm like, yeah, she would cook steaks shaped like yeah, because she like she doesn't want to just like make. She's like, I have to make you dinner, and I'm like, listen, I am a lady who likes to cook. I love cooking, but I don't like how, how do I put this? I don't like cooking because it's a gender role. I just enjoy cooking. So if a man, and men have said this to me, like tells me to make him a sandwich or like, get in the kitchen, even in a joking way. I'm like, fuck you, I'm never cooking anything for you again. That's a mistake, because I'm a damn good cook. There's nothing better for me than, like, cooking for people I love and, like, cooking with people I love. Like, that's why I love Thanksgiving, because I get to cook with my family. And, like, one time, like, I went over to Britt's house for St. Patrick's Day, and I made, like, well, we made, because Britt actually did quite a lot of it, too, and we made shepherd's pie. And it was really fun because then you cook Aww. with your friends and then you all get to eat it. Yeah. So, anyways. But it's weird. It's very like she's trying to put herself in a gender role to trick him into thinking she's like the perfect housewife. But, like, does she want to be a housewife? Because I feel like she's so obsessed with love and not obsessed with a relationship, if that makes sense. Like, it's the infatuation. Yeah. Well, she's definitely trying to... Well, what it is is that she's giving them what she believes... I, well, I think mm-hmm. is that she's giving them what she believes they want to get what she wants. So, she's like, if I cook, clean, do all this for them, they're going to give me what I want, which is love. Because that's what she wants. She just wants... She wants... Her Her motive is clear. It's just very... And as we get from the movie, we'll get to where mm-hmm. there's like two definite sides to Elaine. And I don't know which side of her is the authentic side. Yeah. And Wayne like, actually like says that. Because he's like, you have two yeah. sides. A dark and quiet one you show the world. And then the rainbow. Because. Yes. Da, 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 the drink she gave Your Wayne. Is, it's so bright. It's so bright because she gave him hallucinogenics. It's, yes. it's just like Climax, y'all. Like, do not trip people without their knowledge or permission. It's fucked up. Um, but yeah, he's like seeing rainbows. And then she, I, I don't know if this was a plan of hers, but she has like a black dress on, but she, the inner lining of this specific dress has a rainbow lining. And she says that she always says that to her clothes. But then in the later parts of the movie, I didn't see any rainbow lining, so... I don't know if she just yeah. told Wayne that because it was part of her hypnosis, but she's like dancing and stripping for him. And like I guess it's very like innocent sex, like sexy, sexy time. Like it's, it's not like hardcore. It's very innocent for some of the movies yeah. we've covered. It's like you said, it's, it's more burlesque because she's like dancing mm-hmm. her hair, strategically covering her nipples yeah. and he picks her up and he carries her and he There's... does like, they do have sex. I gotta say, Wayne's cute. Room. Wayne's cute guy. Yeah, he's cute. He's like, he's definitely like middle-aged cute. He's like, like he's... you can tell like he's maybe in his 40s. Yeah. Oh, you know who he reminds knew... me of? 
Oh, shit. I wrote this down. He reminds me of Dave Grohl. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I love I Dave Grohl. He's an awesome guy. Anyways, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I could, de- no, I could definitely see that. I agree with that completely. But afterwards, he complains about feeling shrink, and he says he's, she's not like any other woman he's ever met. And I was, I literally, this is the part where I started realizing this movie had a lot of comedic elements because the mm-hmm. shit, the dialogue is just so funny. Yeah. Um, but he says, all the women I'm physically attracted to aren't bright enough for me, and mm-hmm. all the smart ones are homely and don't arouse me. Yep. And it's just Alpha like, male podcast. And, Alpha male podcast. And I podcast. love it. Because Elaine, like, literally, like, is behind him, and she just kind of has, like, this deadpan look, like, okay? Like, you know, because, like, but she's still, like, baby, I and mean, she's like, poor baby. Poor and he's like, thing. You poor baby. And he's like, I'm not used to feeling things strongly. And he starts crying. Oh, my God. And so she takes, Sorry. this is, like, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Yes. So she takes a cigarette break in the other room. And he's like wailing for, and Elaine. she's like, "What a, Elaine, what a pussy!" And like, <laughs> she's smoking. Like, no one was yeah. ever there for me. I'm not gonna go help him, which is a narcissistic attitude because most people, if you like, cried yourself to sleep over something terrible, but and no one was around. Well, are you gonna be an asshole to a person who's crying in front of you? No, because like it's not their fault that no one was around when you were going through a hard time. So don't be an asshole. But a narcissist would be like, well, no one, no one's helped me, so I'm not gonna help them. It's like the people are like, well, I had to pay off my student loans, so why should other people be forgiven with them? Like, don't be a narcissist prick. Anyways, but yes, yeah. um, and it's very funny. And, yeah, she's, and she also, like, she's so contrarian. And I'm not saying, like, obviously Wayne has some issues that he needs to work out. But she doesn't really get to know somebody before she, like, decides she's in love with them. And it's all about the fireworks. It's all about the initial attraction. And, again, attraction is great, but it is not a foundation. It's not, it's, attraction alone is not a foundation for a healthy relationship. You know, maybe get to know them. Maybe go on more than one date to, like, you know, get to know them before you decide you're yeah. in love with them and you give them hallucinogenic uh, herbs. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But she does give him breakfast, at least. And he's like, I had a horrible dream and I called and you didn't answer. And she's like, well, go get some more sleep. But she goes back later, and he's dead. He's literally dead from the emotions, yep. which is, yep. like, hilarious. We well, he's poisoned, it. but yeah. 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 But, yeah. She, but and then she goes gardening she naked. She's sad. She's very sad. Yeah. She does cry over his body. She does. And then she decides to go gardening naked, as you do, as one does. Oh, but this is, like, another one of the best parts of the movie. So she makes a witch bottle, and she pees in it, mm-hmm. and she puts a used tampon in, because when she wakes up that morning, she has her period. And she's like, women bleed, it's natural. Do you know most men have never even seen a used tampon? Which comes back later, and it's yeah. hysterical. But she buries him in a shallow grave. Which is dumb. Also, she yeah. says, I'm not afraid of death. I've buried people before. And you're just like, how many? <laughs> how many have you buried, Elaine? And she's just like, yes. da da in a wheelbarrow, just burying him. But then she gives, she leaves him the rainbow with her urine witch bottle. Um, which is sweet of her. And, I mean, she does, like, love Wayne, but then she takes his car. But she has her own car, so I'm guessing she dumps it somewhere. Um, 
But Trish comes by after that whole debacle, and she comes to check on Elaine because she hasn't heard from her in a while. And um, she tells, she just mentions, like, oh, I'm going on a business trip for a week. Poor Richard will have to fend for himself. And also, like, Elaine is, like, has already, like, contrived her about, like, oh, if you don't, like, if you don't become Richard's every fantasy, then, like, you're torturing him. And it's like, no, like, if Richard just loves me as a human being and not a fantasy object, then, you know what? Things will be fine. And Trish really does believe that Richard loves her for her. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we do go to a burlesque club, which is cool because one of the performers is an actual burlesque performer called April Showers, and she's the lady with the gray hair. She has natural gray hair, and apparently she's, like, a really famous burlesque. I've heard of her before. Like, I don't know if she performs with Dita Von Tees, but, like, I've, like, seen her in, like, that circle of, like, burlesque performers. So, um, I don't know. I think burlesque is really cool, and I love the outfits they wear. And I guess then they don't wear it, but I think burlesque is, like, a really cool form of entertainment. And I love, like, yeah. the, the vintage feel of it and, like, the the funny, like, the humor that you have with it. Um, but anyways, they're at a burlesque club. I guess it's a cabaret, but, like, it's mostly burlesque. And we meet Elaine's coven leaders, Barbara, played by Jennifer oh, Ingram, who, if y'all are on YouTube, she's in a bunch of Darman videos, which are, like, like changing the world one story at a time inspirational videos. Um, and then she's also been on CSI Miami, and she worked on The Purge, which is cool. And Gahan, or Gahan, uh, who was played by Jared Sanford, who was in Viva, The Hypnotist, and A Visit from the Incubus, all um, Anna Biller movies, and he seems to produce her movies, too. So, that's cool. Yeah. Which, I don't know... And he wrote The Hypnotist, too. I didn't yeah. want to point that out. To me, it seems like she's really fond of Barbara, and she puts up with Gahan, but she thinks he's kind of sleazy. Yeah, and I can understand why, too. Oh, yeah. So. He kind of is. Yeah. Oh, but she does tell Barbara about Wayne, and Barbara does say, hey, maybe you should be messing with love spells. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's what Gahan's like. They never work the way you think they would. And so they um, they start to do a toast to the goddess in public because they're all together. And one of the patrons tells them to go home. And they're like, Gahan is like, hey, we're used to it. It's not too bad for a small town. Um, but they tell Elaine about the different classes they are teaching. And then Star and Moon, who are two twins, show up. <laughs> and so, yeah, which is just hilarious. Um, and Gaham, once again, is like, a woman's greatest power lies in her sexuality. And this is where I feel yeah. a lot of sympathy for Elaine was at this point. So, she's putting on her flying ointment, which just automatically made me think of the bitch. But, um... She hears Gary's voice, and he does tell her he loves her, but he's like, dinner's late. The house is a pig's tie. You never brush your hair. And she also hears her father saying, you know, that she's overweight and she's stupid. And so she starts to remember the night of her initiation to the coven. And she's blindfolded and tied up. And it's heavily implied that Gaim had sex with her in the ritual. Or at least, like, and, like mocked, like, mock had sex with her. Because she's covered up, and he doesn't actually, like, penetrate, but he does get on top of her. 
Um, which I was like, um, again, any, you know what, I'm cool, do whatever religion makes you happy, or don't, I don't care. But whenever things but she are looks secret, so uncomfortable. or you're forced to have sex with somebody that you don't freely want to have sex with, that is a cult that is not a religion anymore. Yeah. Or if there's secret also, rituals, not a religion anymore, it's, it's a cult. It's also interesting because in the coven there are male members, but there's a lot more women members. Yeah. And it makes you wonder if he had sex with all of the members as initiation. Well, I mean, that is kind of like the Manson family was kind of like that. He used women. He, he, Charles Manson used women. He used them very badly and he used them to commit crimes for him. And he had men there too, but like mostly it was female followers. Um, and, like, uh, the Children of God cult did something called flirty fishing, where they would send young girls out and basically, um, have them be, well, I wouldn't call them sex workers because they're not choosing freely to do this. It's prostitution and trafficking, um, of children because they would flirty fish more followers into their cult. So, there's a lot of cults that do flirty fishing. I think I think that's also yeah. what Charles Manson called it as well, I believe. Mm. But uh, they were both like very similar cults, except Children of God. I don't think murdered anybody, but they did sexually assault a lot of children, allegedly. Um, and that's the one Joaquin Phoenix and River Phoenix were in until their parents got the whole family out. So at least their parents figured it out while they were still kids. Um, yeah. But y'all wonder why Joaquin Phoenix is a little kooky. Yeah, that's, I think it's a big piece of it, man. But anyways, it is kind of cult-like mentality. But, yeah, I remember, especially like the early 2000s, like where the men are from Mars and women are from Venus, like those kinds of books were very much about like the polarity of the sexes. And that's what they say. They're like, the polarity of the sexes. They're so different. And I'm like, yes. People with different kinds of genitals do have different hormonal balances, so they are going to think their brain chemistry is a little different, but they're all humans. And, like, when you just, you know, dial someone back to their genetic material or their genitals, like, you're not really getting the whole picture of the person. And, therefore, you're ignoring a whole, most of their facet of their humanity, um, but yeah, but it's not, it, it is very common in the dating advice world to be like, generalize men and women. And, you know, it's, it's very polarizing and there's, there's no transgender people, nothing in between. There are men and women. This is not my thoughts, by the way. This is just what society says. Where in reality, like there's a lot of people, it's, it's gender roles as we see them are a spectrum. Like, you don't have to be the girliest girl to identify as a woman or the manliest man to identify as a man. Um, and it's not just up to your genitals because, you know, pink is only a girl color because they ran out of paint at a toy company. It used to be... Yep. Yeah. That is honestly true. Pink used to be more of a manly color. And then they switched it because they ran out of paint. Yep. Anyways. Pink was like red and blue was like the Virgin Mary. So. Yep. So. Yes. So. 
Anyways, sorry. But we we meet. No, it's okay. We meet Sergeant Griff Meadows, and he flirts with mm-hmm. Officer Connie before talking with his partner Steven. So we're introduced to two bigger characters at this point. Yes. So, and Sergeant Griff Meadows is played by Gion Keys, or maybe Jean Keys. Um, who was in The Electrician, which sounds like a pornographic movie, but I don't think it is. Um, but I was just like, The Electrician. Because he's a very attractive man. Uh, he was he in is. the Taylor Swift, Twilight Swift, Taylor Swift Wildest Dreams music video. Oh, and nice. a series called Fucking Actors. I don't know. Um, but we also That's meet. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but we also meet Detective Steve. They never give Steve's last name. Um, but he's played by, he's played by Randy Evans, who has actually done a lot of television, including NCIS, CSI Miami, and he was even a small role in The Social Network. Uh, I actually really like his performance. Yes. Seems very natural. But not out of place. He was, yeah, he's good. Yeah. I agree with that completely. But they're, they're talking because Griff had just been promoted, and they're like, you should settle down. He's like, me never. Um. Uh, but this woman comes in, and she looks awfully familiar. Her name's Shelly Peters, and of course it's because we saw her talking with Wayne. And she's oh, like, no, I think Miss Wayne Curtis. has been... Oh, Shelly Curtis. I'm sorry. It is Shelly Curtis. By Lily so, Holman, but I didn't write any of her stuff down, but Lily Holman plays her. Okay, yes, plays Shelly. That's right. Um, but she thinks Wayne was kidnapped after driving away with a strange woman. And she tells him about his cabin, so they go and they find rotten food. And mm-hmm. in the yard, they find a shallow grave, which contains mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts in the entire movie. Because they pick up the witch bottle, and obviously there's the floating tampon. Yeah. And Steve goes, what is this? And Griff says, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, of course you don't, boys. <laughs> Tampons. It doesn't bother me. It's like, you know, it's just it's just a word. And uh, yeah. it just brought me up. I asked Taylor, I was like... I was like, have you ever seen a used tampon? And he said, no, but I know what one looks like. I'm not stupid. And I was like, okay, fair enough. So <laughs> I remember having to explain to a boyfriend the difference between pads and tampons. And I was like, because they kept calling tampons pads. And I was like, no, they're two different things, honey. Yeah. Trying to like nicely explain it. But they insisted on calling it a pad. I was like, it's not the same thing. Nope. Nope. But, to go back to the movie, since we went off on tangent real quick. Um, Sorry. Tampons. So they find... No, no, tampons. Um, But Steve comforts Shelly, tells her to go back in the house, and Sergeant mm-hmm. Griff starts digging up the grave. But then we go to Elaine having dinner with Richard, who admits mm-hmm. he gets lonely when Trish is out of town. And she gives him a giant, a giant glass of something. It's the biggest glass I've ever seen. And she dances for him, and they have sex, and he's like, I've never known anyone like you before, Elaine. But, like, her thinking oh. is, Richard's married, so he won't get obsessed with her. But, too bad, so sad, Elaine, that's exactly what happens. And it yes. freaks her out, so she breaks off the affair. Um, and meanwhile, yes. Griff and Steve interview some people about witchcraft, and then they also find out that Wayne died of an overdose of quote-unquote devil's weed, um, which mm-hmm. lands them at Elaine's door after talking to Wendy at the shop. So he goes to Elaine, Meadows does, ask if she knows Wayne Peters, and she's like, I don't, goodbye. And he's like, they found a witch bottle similar to the ones you made. And she's like, witchcraft is my With your tampon. To save my life. Yes. 
it does not make me evil. And she starts to cry and he apologizes and she does her eye thing and she's like, I've seen you before. And it's like, yeah, you've seen him before because he pulled you over at the beginning of the fucking movie. Da, da, she's da. Like, but she's like, it was in my future in the tarot reading. She's like, the man I love, he has to love animals. Do you love animals? And he's like, yes, my friend has horses. <laughs> and then he's like, do you also like to ride? Would you like to ride Alone? tomorrow? I was like, oh, I want to ride you. Obviously, that's what yes. the implication is. Sex. Yes, and so they go riding, and they're like, ha, 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 and they start kissing, but then they hear the sounds of a medieval carnival in the distance. Because, so. you know, the Renaissance Festival just is hanging out in the woods, and it's not just, like, a random Renaissance Festival, it's her coven's Renaissance Festival, yes. which I'm like, did she know where it was? And she was just like, oh, yeah, oh, hey, let's go here. And that's what they're... Oh, by the way, uh, the song, The Love is a wonder, Wonderful Thing, uh, Anna wrote that song, too. So yeah. She wrote a lot of the music for this, yeah. too. Yeah. So she is a jack it's of like, all trades. She really, really is. And so they're like, you guys are in love. Let's hold a mock wedding. And so they start to sing Love is a Magical Thing. And they each take <laughs> Elena Meadows to dress. Uh, and they do a mock hand fast ceremony. And yeah. then they have him kiss, and, like, Elaine's like, I'm so in love with him. In and her Griff head. And Griff is like, yes. And then Griff's head, uh, which is another line of dialogue that just had me cackling, is like, I seen guys shot to death because they fell in love and got soft. <laughs> just like, I can't fall in love. I'm too tough for, I don't want to be weak and be in love. I'm like, dude, yeah. get the fuck over yourself. Anyways. The next day, though, yeah, he's, like, obviously very cynical, and he's losing interest in Elaine as quickly as he gained interest in her, which is sad, but it, yeah. it's truthful. It shit happens, unfortunately. Uh, but Elaine doesn't know that. She's just in love. Um, yeah. But the next day, Griff tells Steve that the captain told him to lay off the case, and he's like, Jerry died of a drug overdose before planning to remarry, and Steve tells... Wait, sorry, Griff the tells Steve, he's like, knock it off. Yeah. Yes, yes, the ex-husband, so we also have this information that he was about to remarry. We didn't have that information before, but now right. we do. But he tells Steve to get off his back. He throws the best fake punch I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's pretty fantastic. Yes. Bam. So, Wham, bam. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. But then we're moving fast. We're in the, like the last half of the movie, yes. and Trish, poor Trish, finds Richard dead in the bathtub with his wrist slit. Yeah. So, and the thing with Trish and Richard is he's like very morose. He's depressed. He's drinking, and it's like she wants to help him, but she doesn't even like. I don't know if it's because of Elaine's influence or what, but it's like she double she double checks her feelings. Like she's her intuition would be to help him, but she's like no. I'm just going to let him be depressed. I don't know what to do. So instead of helping him, she ignores his feelings, which I'm not blaming Trish at all, but I'm saying it's an interesting yeah. look at, like, because a lot of us, it's kind of like like we get uncomfortable with other people's feelings and we're afraid to talk about them, and then, like, someone slips through the cracks. So, you know, just an, like maybe if Elaine hadn't gotten under her skin about men are babies and you have to be, you know, strong or whatever, maybe she would have helped him but anyways it's sad and trish is it grieving is. so of course elaine's like let's go to lunch at the pink victorian harpist restaurant 
Um, cause that's where you want to go when you're grieving and like, uh, you know, Elaine's all in bright colors and she's so excited. She's wearing the ring that Griff gave her at their fake wedding and Trish is like in all black <laughs> and, um, well she is eating a fabulous looking dessert with like chocolate, red chocolate sauce poured all over it. So, I mean, delicious. Um, and basically, Elaine's just, like, gushing about Griff and how they're, he, she thinks he's going to propose at any second. And, oh, my God, she's so excited. And um, Trish is like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was excited and I was showing you my engagement ring at our first lunch. And Elaine's like, oh, try on my ring. And so she does. And then Elaine's like, oh, mustache. And Trish stays to finish her meal. And this is when I figured out this was modern because at first I thought the cars were just, like, a continuity error. But then, like, Trish just whips out a cell phone and is like, Hey, hey, girl, you left your ring here, so um, since you're not picking it up, I'm going to go drop it off at your house because I still have a key. Bye! And puts it back in her purse. Bye! So then Trish does go to her house. And she... It's interesting, and I like what Anna Biller said about this scene. So Elaine gets distracted by... The idea of Elaine and Elaine's beauty, and she starts putting on Elaine's makeup and a wig of hers and her, um, like, clothing, and, uh, this is from Anna Biller's website. There is one moment where Trish tries on Elaine's lingerie and wig and admires herself in the mirror, and that is the real moment of empowerment for Trish because she is really in love with herself in that moment and feels sexy in a way she's never allowed herself to feel. Um, which I think is true. Like, she's feeling empowered, which, um, but then she also figures out that Elaine dated her husband and probably drove him to death. And she has all these, like, voodoo dolls of all the men she's killed. And so she takes a bunch of them and, um, Elaine interrupts her and she's like, you bitch, you whore. She says a lot of terrible things to her. And then she's like, I'm going to tell the cops. So she does. But I guess they still don't want to mess with the witches. Because apparently, according to Wikipedia, I missed, I missed this line when I watched it. But, like, the witches and the town have, like, a tentative peace. But there's a growing tension because throughout the movie, when we go to the burlesque club, the bartender and the waitresses are talking about, oh, there's all, it's like satanic panic is basically yeah. what's happening. Um, but so Elaine meets Griff at the burlesque club. As the tension grows. And um, Elaine's victims are piling up higher and higher. Which, these are just the men we see, so I don't know if she's killed other men. Or if there's another witch doing love spells. Yeah. That is doing the same thing. Um, But yeah, Griff kind of confronts Elaine about her whole thing. He calls her a black hole. Yeah. And a narcissist. And yeah, no one and it says really he doesn't love her. love her. Yeah, and no yeah. one really could love you because you're a narcissist and you don't really get to, like, you don't really think of people that way, which is sad. Um, and, But she doesn't really seem to sink it in at that point. Um, but the townspeople try to sexually assault her, which was kind of terrifying and out of nowhere. Even though people die in this movie, like, that was probably, like, I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but It felt like the real. It felt real. Yeah. And then Griff rescues her, so he's not a total turd. So that's good. 
Um, and they go back to her apartment, and she makes him a drink, like, for the other men, but he drops it on the floor instead of drinking it. Probably because, you know, he knows they were all poisoned by devil's weed. <laughs> and then, like, and then something kind of cra- crazy happens. Yeah, I love this. So she tries, she, like, kind of freaks out, and she cries, and she's backing away, and she sees Griff's face as a skull. Um, which I think is like a harbinger of death. The Three of Swords. Yeah. Her tarot deck, which she sees every time one of these men die. Yeah. And Griff just lays back on the bed and she starts to stab him multiple times with a dagger. And she notices it's mimicking her painting. Yeah. Yeah. She's an artist, so all of her paintings, she looks up and there's just a painting of a woman cutting out a man's heart. I'm like, tight. Great. Yes. And... As she, as he's lying there, he's he's dying and he's dead. She fantasizes. She fantasizes about Griff saying he wants to marry her, and it's this eerie silence because you can see like the musicians are playing their instruments and stuff, but there's no noise except the mm-hmm. horse like walking, and mm-hmm. uh, they ride away happily ever after. So she's like in her fantasy as Griff is lying next to her dead on the bed. Yeah. So yeah. And that's Love Witch. That's Love Witch. Now, I did have to say, so I was reading an interview with Samantha, and they said, you know, what's your favorite scene? And she was like, oh, the scene at the beginning. They're like, what's your least favorite? What was the hardest? So in the final fairies tale scene, um, the horse kept, the horse actually stepped on Gion's leg. And then oh, threw no. Samantha off. And it threw Samantha off. Oh, and no. so they were both like lying there. It's only funny because they're okay, but they were both like lying there on the ground. And she said the whole production just went yeah. stand still. So, pros and cons. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. Oh, did you want to go first on this one? Okay. Um, I love the visual style and the cinematography, obviously. The costumes, the look of the film, absolutely. I want to live in this film, how it looks. I love it. I love, love, love. I love vintage style. So it makes me want to do blue makeup, and I just love I love a, sh- a movie with its own unique style, even if it's like you know copying a style from another movie. Like at least it's got style. You know what I mean? Like it's very purposeful. Um, I really think, even though it is presentational acting, it is a nine out of ten for the acting for me, though, because I do think that. Nine out of ten of, of the actors, like, know what they're doing and are, are, like, they're very, very precise in the decisions. There's maybe one or two that, like, kind of fall flat a couple of times. And I don't know if it's more of, like, they weren't really sure how to do that or if, like, they, I don't know. Like, there's a couple times where one or two characters just kind of are a little flat. Um, but most of the time, everyone understands that it's it's a parody it's a uh an allegory kind of thing so they're supposed to be archetypes they're not supposed to be like it's not so much of an honest betrayal although i really do like uh samantha robinson's um performance like as elaine she does bring some depth to a character that could just be like i'm just silly but like she really does like have some some true feelings um yeah uh and i mean it is kind of long but honestly i I was thinking it was going to be super long, and it, it went by pretty quickly for me, honestly. Um, but, of course, the first time I watched it was the two-hour version, so maybe that's why. Um, and I love the foreshadowing and the art. Like, 
you know, they would use, like, the tarot deck and, like, Elaine's art that she was painting as, like, a foreshadowing of things yet to come. Love that kind of stuff. And the exploration of the femme fatale character through the love-obsessed narcissist was just so interesting. Especially because of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, because there's some narcissism and some borderline personality stuff going on there. And it is very interesting watching an archetype of this and then watching a real person with this diagnosis and how um, similar they are, even though this is an archetype. Like, and then, and the thing with Elaine is she's not trying to murder anybody. Like, she really isn't. She just has fallen for a line of this is how you get men and she, you know, follows it to the death. Which is creepy, but I don't know. It's, I love it. I think it's a cool movie and I think it's, it's so different and I think that's why I like yeah. it so much. But yeah, that's, that's what I got. Not as many cons as pros. I think yeah. it's a pretty watchable movie. It's an experience for sure. I would agree with all that for sure. And, um, yeah, the aesthetic is just incredible. I've, I I mean, it's one of those movies when you watch it, you're just, like, obsessed with the way it looks. The colors are just so beautiful. The costuming, the makeup, the hair. Uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Cinematography is great. I actually really like the script, too, because there mm-hmm. is... It's, one, it's funny, and it's so... The, the humor is very, like, smart humor because the dialogue is just, like, so, to me, flat. And it's like, did he really just say that? And he just really said it. And so it's like, there's all these, yeah. like, quirky little, like, lines in it that I just absolutely love. So I love the elevated humor in it. He's I such also a Pisces. Love, oh, That's what yeah, I'm oh, like. yeah. He's such a Pisces. Oh, she, I should have known it wasn't going to work out. He's a Pisces. Like, it's just so... <laughs> Great. Uh, it's I, funny. And I love I love Samantha Robinson as Elaine. Um because there's like two different readings you can get from this movie. It's like, is Elaine sincere? Or is she cold and calculating? Does she want their love or does she want their heart? And when we talk about wanting mm-hmm. their heart, are we talking about like the literal painting of the yeah. woman holding the actual heart in her hand? So there's I mean... all these like um and Elaine is just so many different things too. Like she yeah. doesn't she just doesn't, re- she doesn't represent just one form of feminism. Like, yes, her ways seem a little backwards, but then, like she said, she found her true self and her sexuality through her religion, this witchcraft. So it's like taking um, control of that witchy imagery again. So there's all these little things, and it's a very clever script. And that's something else I really, other than the look and the aesthetic, I love the script, too. So, that was really cool. Yeah, it's a good script. I do have to say, my one con, and we you knew this was coming, is that I do think the runtime is still a little bit long, with two hours and 30 minutes. Like, it's not a miserable two hours and 30 minutes, but I just felt like there was things that could have been cut here and there that could have made it a smoother movie. And because there's just like little scenes that you're just like they're 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 pretty, but I don't really think they serve the greatest a greater purpose. And when you do have it on a streaming service like Peacock TV, and then suddenly you're watching a three hour and thirty minute movie, that's where I think it gets a little draggy. But once yeah. again, I don't think that had anything to do with Anna's script or her visuals at all. So, yes. yeah, I I maybe watch the two hour version because yeah. that seemed to go by really quickly but i couldn't find the two and a half hour version originally so um i'm not really sure what it's missing it didn't really seem like 
either one of us left out anything. So mm-hmm. maybe it is just the scenes are a little shorter. Um, but yeah. Uh, did you have a rating for this one? I did. I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Um, it's a very strong movie. Really? Oh, yeah, yay! I did. Yay! I know you can't see my screen, I, but yes. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I it's this very strong movie. I, I want to see Viva really bad. I fought for yes. a second movie. This was really incredible. Um, there wasn't a lot of weak points in the movie. Just like I said, I wish the runtime was a little less, but I really liked it. Um, I would watch it again and again, to be honest. It has a really great rewatchability factor to me. Yes. So. And it's like, I feel like you could watch this with a group of people and, like, have a love witch party. And, like, mm-hmm. you could probably play some fun drinking games to this movie, too. Like, oh, yeah. every time somebody, the Three of Cups comes up or, you know, when they have, like, the party. Like, I love the, like, the little interludes that are so much like a 60s movie where, like, they're having, like, a coven party and they're all, like, naked in the woods, walking in circles and doing ceremonies. But then they have an after party, and there's, like, everyone's getting cookies off of a, of a, um, amp, what is it, the pentagram. Pentagram shape, uh, yeah. A plate, the pentagram plate. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyways. Now, did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating for it? Yes. Do you want to go first? Yes. So, I, um, so I rated it P for potions, periods, and police. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I have one that I want to make tampons work, but I feel like it doesn't work. And then I have one that I like better. Rated T for three of swords, tampons, and talismans. But I feel like, I don't know. I don't like that one as much. It doesn't flow. But the one I really like is rated L for lutes, love potions, and luciferian parties. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. Which one do we want to go with? We'll go with L. I like okay. that. Loops. I like it too. Well, that was the Love Witch. That was a that was a great choice, Britt. Kudos to you. Clap, clap, hey. clap. Yay! And next next week, uh, we won't have a specific movie we're doing next week, but I will tell you guys what the movie after that will be next week. Um, because it'll be my pick. But um it's our hundredth episode next week. Yay! Episode it's gonna 100. be our 100th episode extravaganza. Maybe some tricks and treats for all you ghouls and gals. Um, I don't know why I'm getting Halloween-y. It's yeah. gonna be a movie podcast. But um, we're going to do some, like, it's going to be, like, a nice, like, fun little episode where we're going to talk about some good times, some future times, and maybe get to know us a little better if you don't already. So, yeah. Have a, yeah. I'm yeah, too. I'm excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Thank you guys so much for being with us through 99 episodes so far. Like, that is freaking amazing. And I know there's quite a few of you who have listened to every single episode. And I'm, I, I, I think we, but I, I'm speaking for, I don't want to speak for Brett, but I'm super, super grateful to have each and every one of you listening. And to, by the way, if you hear uh, noises, it's Gizmo with his toy in the background. Um, but I'm super, super, super excited about reaching 100 episodes. You guys are so amazing to listen to us. Britt is such an amazing co-host. And uh, all of the other people that help us out on the podcast, like Ryan and Taylor when he takes our pictures, and um, Stephanie and Dalton and Peter who tell us if the episodes suck or not. 
Um, just kidding. <laughs> but you guys, you guys are so sweet. But not really. But not really. Um, but, you know, love <laughs> you guys. Or when we accidentally upload the wrong audio file, you know. It, yes. Love it. Yes, love Stephanie. it. Hey, BT Dubs. So, Clutch. thankful. <laughs> Thanks thank for coming you. in Clutch, So guys. thankful for all of you. Um, I hope. I know uh, in Alabama, things have gotten a little even darker politically, and the primaries are coming up. So I hope you guys are doing okay. I don't know how it is in other states, uh, but Grandma Mima just outlawed being transgender until you're 19. So uh, that's fun. Did you hear about that? I just heard about that today. I was, for some reason, thinking like no. she wouldn't actually sign it, but of course. Anyways... Um, we hope you guys are great. I got a lot of really funny political mailers, like those ones they sent you where they're like, Donald Smithson is a communist. And you're just like, what? And then sometimes like one guy is like, so-and-so isn't a conservative at all. And I'm like, so you're trying to get me to vote for him or you're not trying to get me to vote for him? You really need to figure out your pool of audience here, sir or madam. Um, but yeah, uh, hope y'all are well, hope things are well, um, be kind to one another, watch a cool movie. I still need to watch the freaking Batman movie, because I just haven't had three hours to sit yes. and watch it, and, uh, I will eventually, um, maybe this weekend. I have props to make this weekend, so maybe I'll make props, since we don't have a movie to watch this weekend i'll watch the batman and make props <laughs> maybe that's what i'll watch while i do that um but yes uh watch some good movies um take care of each other hug your fur babies hug your if you have real human babies hug them too um they're cool uh we just don't have as much uh experience with them and yeah it's, uh be sweet wash your hands uh take some vitamins I gotta start taking vitamins again. I've fallen behind. I have like half a bottle of vitamins, and I'm like, oh, I've been trying to supposed to take you for the last month. Um, and try to get healthy. I know I'm trying to lose weight, and I'm trying so hard to eat healthier, and it's hard. But meal prep, meal prep, meal prep, and that's when I was losing weight. I meal prepped every week, and I ate like the same like Weight Watchers foods that actually tasted good. Um, so, but I also want to get back into exercising again, because I'm doing a show, and y'all, you know, I never thought I was in that good of shape, but apparently I was, because, like, I feel like I have aged 25 years since the last time I did a show, which was only two and a half years ago. So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, the I mean, pandemic will do I, that. I lost weight during the pandemic, but I wasn't doing cardio during the pandemic. And I'm like, yep. I stopped going to the gym because, like, I didn't, like, want to risk it. And I'm like, oh, I really wish I had a treadmill because, like, I need that cardio, dude. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, because I did a musical. That was the last show I did before the pandemic. And it was a lot of dancing. And I was fine. And then I'm like, ugh, I feel like shit. Anyways. So it'll be fine. This is not a musical, at least, so it'll be fine. Anyways, uh, but we love you guys, and thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. And I'm going to let Britt say goodbye because I feel like I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs>
No, you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for a fantastic 99 Woo! episodes. I'm super excited about episode 100. Uh, we got a few kind of fun things planned. And, um, you know, once again, if you guys want to see anything or want to hear us talk about anything specific, you want us to review a specific movie, you want to come on as a guest, please yes. reach out to us. You can message us, comment on pictures, uh we're always reachable. Um, so we love you guys so much. Um, as a reminder, please, please, please drink your water. You have to stay hydrated yes. during this time of year. It gets very, very hot, especially here in the south. We don't want you passing out from heat. Because uh, you can do that walking yeah. to your mailbox here. Make sure you um, put, so... <laughs> like, make sure your pets are um, drinking water. Sometimes Gizmo doesn't drink water. So I've started putting, yes. like, half a cup of water in his food with him. And... That way he has to stay hydrated because he will eat the food and drink the water. Yes. Life hack. And another thing, yes, of course you want to keep those babies, you want to keep those babies hydrated. Another thing, and I'm not used to saying this, but um, wear yes. your sunscreen. Skin cancer every is day. very real. Um, and get a so, skin, get a skin yes, check. Yes, you need to wear it every I day. I went to the dermatologist for a not, yes. not skin cancer related thing. And they were like, do you want to do a skin check? Just like, it's free. Like, if you go to a dermatologist, they will literally just check all your moles. And listen, I am covered in, like, freckles and moles. It's just, like, hereditary in my family. But, and I had a weird one. I had a weird one that did something weird on my back. And I was, like, convinced in my little, um, what am I trying to say? My little hypochondriac brain that I was like, it's going to be cancer. I'm going to go to the dermatologist. Like, you have cancer. It's not. It's, it's something called an SK. So, like... It's 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 good if they give you the all clear because then you don't have to worry. And if something is suspicious, the faster you take care of it, the better. But in the meanwhile, wear sunscreen because I do every day. Britt, I'm pretty sure you wear sunscreen every day. I try to. I'm not as always as good as I want to be. But if I know I'm going to be outside in the sun, yeah. I am very good about putting it on. Like on the weekends, if we're doing yard work or stuff, I got yeah. that bottle out. At least <laughs> I always put it on my face and my neck for sure. But yes, that is a very good point. If you don't wear sunscreen, please wear sunscreen. Like, y'all. Yeah. Y'all. Please do. And of course, take care of yourselves um, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Uh, emotionally and mentally can be just as hard as physically sometimes. So, you know, I like to say um, do something that makes you happy. Listen to a favorite song. See if a friend's available to talk for a couple minutes. Look up funny videos of a dog or a cat doing something cute. Like, just make sure you're in a good headspace yeah. when you can. Um, yeah. And thank you, guys. Thank you again for joining us and letting us be some small part of your day. Mm -hmm. We love you so very much. And, of course, we just look forward to seeing you same time, yes. same spooky channel for episode yes. 100. And as stay always, stay spooky, y'all. Good night. <laughs> yes. Bye. Night. Or good day. Bye. Good morning. Bye. Whatever. Bye. Bye. Bye, Britt. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Katie. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.